0: You're listening to The Outspoken Bible, a podcast from Scottish Bible Society with Fiona Stewart, Neil Glover and Jen Robertson. Well, welcome to Season 4, Episode 5 of The Outspoken Bible. I'm Fiona Stewart, as usual. I'm joined by Jen Robertson. Hello. Hi, Fiona and Neil. And Neil Glover. Hello.
1: Hello, hello. I'm just so happy to hear Jen's voice there because we've had so many technical issues this morning.
0: We have had some technical issues, so we are delighted that Jen is hearing us and we're hearing her. Lots of interruptions. Oh my goodness, yes, and let's come back to that later on (laughs) throughout the the course of the the episode. Now, last time, Amy, so I have to tell you both, Amy, our editor, she did have to do a bit of cutting of uh, some of the length because we'd we'd gone long. So I'm not going to give us an introductory question today, um, just to make Amy's life a bit easier. I will jump, though, straight to correspondence. Oh, yeah, because it turns out, not only have we had a glitch with Jen's sound, but we actually have had a glitch, glitch with our emails coming into the Outspoken inbox. So they're coming into Outspoken at, but they're not necessarily being forwarded on. Um, What's the address again? Outspoken at org. Because we are working on this, so hopefully all will be well, and uh, all manner of things will be well, and you can send your, your, e-bo- your e-boxes, your, in-bo- your emails <laughs> to the inbox. Uh, <laughs> now, the reason... <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a bit of spoken word isn't it the uh, so the reason I found that out actually is because I had an email to my personal account from Rachel McNeil now I don't know if you remember but Rachel emailed us previously she lives in Inverness and uh, she's we're delighted that she's a, a listener a regular listener and she's an occasional correspondent and she had emailed back in November and um, hadn't had a reply and I think she maybe just thought we were ignoring her really Rachel we were not ignoring you we just didn't see your email and um, but she had tried to she had tried to get in touch, and so I actually thought I would read you a bit of the email she had sent us back in November because I think it has a bit of relevance to what we're going to talk about today. So she says, "Me again, <laughs> with a little smiley face, which I like." Um, walking up the river and listening to the latest episode, wanted to punch the air in agreement of so many things, but didn't because there were so many other people around. <laughs> so she highlighted. I'm, I'm a few so things. glad that
1: that that subject was also that wanted to punch the air. I wondered where it was going. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wanted to punch fiona for interrupting uh yes indeed so she had uh yeah so the, she did, she'd listed a few things in that november episode that uh, that had want, made her want to punch the air mentions of peter pete ends jen i think that's you yep. isn't it You're big, and rachel held evans so i think Neil, that was probably oh, yeah. you uh chat about male female leadership and how often mm. it can look different again mm. we might come back to some of that today uh introverts in leadership and the susan kane book quiet had been helpful Mm. for her and she said i'll go this is obviously november but i'll go into a potentially tricky meeting with three men this week feeling more confident that i do have a place and an opinion that deserves to be heard as an introverted woman thanks guys excellent it's good, isn't it no yeah. so Rachel thank you sorry it's taken so long for us to mention and if you are like Rachel you've sent us an email and you've not heard anything and you think it's just because we've not thought you're worthy of discussion mm-hmm. it's really not it's trapped somewhere in in my spam um, filter so we are delighted that people are are listening and please do get in touch with us now, I was thinking about the fact, Jen, that Rachel listens, because remember we'd asked people where they listened, so she'd started with that, she was listening as she walked along the river, uh, and I thought that was a good segue, Jen, into telling <laughs> us a wee bit about Wonder Walks.
2: Wonder Walks is the resource from Scottish Bible Society for Easter uh, for this year, and last year we did wonder walks and it was meant to be an all-age resource and i think it was but uh, we've tried much much harder this year to make wonder walks truly for any age and any type of person and it's interesting that rachel mentions that as well the different types of people we are so wonder walks has eight a uh, parts of john's gospel to read uh, and you can do that through holy week starting on a uh, Palm Sunday finishing an Easter day or you could do it another time it doesn't have to be that week and they're they're short readings and then each time you read you can walk and do so if you're maybe with some people who maybe are younger who like to do activities as you walk and think you can do that or you can just walk and reflect so there's some things to think about yourself if you're on your own and then there's walk and chat if you just want to go with a friend or somebody in your family and talk about that bit of the bible as you wonder about so wonder walks uh, they're ready to order they'll be being delivered very soon uh, they're 50 pence a copy if you buy 10 or more and nice sort of floppy a uh, magazine kind of feel just put it in your pocket and wonder and walk together this holy week as we go with jesus towards the cross and on to the resurrection
0: brilliant brilliant and you can get all of that from scottish.bible forward slash easter and if, if you follow that link you can also get light and life gospels the gospel that we're using um for our discussions this season and you can also access the easter reader if that's something that's that's of interest and one other thing just to flag up is that we three are going to be doing some little mini podcasts for holy week that uh maybe it's the kind of thing you might want to share with other people but we're going to use some of the the content from wonder walks to to build on that exciting great yeah and challenging to be honest yeah. to make short <laughs> podcasts <laughs> Uh, brilliant okay well today we're going to be discussing John chapter 4 that was a
1: (laughs) particularly manic laugh there I know
0: I know I feel I'm under pressure to go fast for some reason this morning Um, yeah so today we are we're discussing John chapter 4 I've written another little description which is it's a deep dive into an encounter with Jesus do you see what I did there a deep dive because it's about well anyway um, (laughs) deep dive into an encounter with Jesus uh, with a woman and another miracle in the Cana Capernaum conurbation (laughs)
1: Oh, very good, very (laughs) good. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. But before we get to all that, it is time for Glover's Off.
1: Glover's Off is about an ongoing battle I have with my phone, and it is the battle to stay away from it. Uh, And I thought that Wordle was going to be my way out of this, because Wordle, of course, you can only do one a day. And then I discovered Nerdle and Octordle, which is eight at once, and Quardle, which is four (laughs) at once. There is even a Greek New Testament Wordle, which... Uh, for for which with classic kind of Greek New Testament kind of lack of attention to any sort of branding is called just GNT Wordle, um, and I had hoped that this would stem my addiction, but all that happens is I just add add more and more. I discovered Absurdo this morning, so what do you do with this? So I, there's a book that I've been a reading called Indistractable. How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. It's by someone, well, it's spelt, I think, near aisle, N-I-R-E-Y-A-L, if that's not pronounced correctly, my apologies. And I had expected this to be a book about how to switch off your phone and make sure that you can't get near it and make sure it's not in your bedroom and use an ordinary alarm clock and all those sorts of things. And, and no, it's actually a book about the psychology of distraction and why it is that we we want to be uh, distracted. We want to be distracted. And Aiel uh, says, you can switch your phone off if you want, but all you'll do unless you get to the deep stuff is you'll just find another way of distracting yourself. And uh, what he says, interestingly, is that actually we all lead, live with a deeper level of pain. We all live with a deeper level of frustration. And what's happening is that when we go to our phones, we're we're looking for that little buzz to try and help us forget about that kind of undercurrent of pain and frustration. Actually, the psychology of the phone is very similar to the fruit machine. So the fruit machine uh, uses a thing called the law of variable returns. So the idea of a fruit machine is that sometimes you pull the lever and you get the money, and then a lot of times you don't. And that's more addictive than if you got it all the time or never it's that kind of oh will i will i wouldn't i it's exactly the same when you go into whatsapp to check if that message that you sent has two blue ticks next to it or whether someone sent a reply sometimes you look sometimes it doesn't and even the action of pulling down to scroll for example on facebook is deliberately mimics the idea of pulling the the lever down on a on a one-armed bandit machine So we're using this law of variable returns to try and numb our underlying sense of frustration. And what Aisle says is actually what you have to move is have a clear idea of what is the real thing that you want to be doing that is really going to address your frustration. And the opposite of distraction for him is traction. Find the thing that you need to be attracted to, or we might go further and say attraction. And so I think that he talks about the need to schedule your day, so you need to understand what is it in each moment of the day that I really want to be doing with my time at that moment. And once you've answered that question, then you're in a position to be less addicted to your phone. but I think it really plays into our conversation today about what is the real source of our attraction and our traction. So Glover's Off today is about it being indistractable and making sure instead that we are properly tractable and that might lead on to our conversation later.
0: Nice. Have you any tips on things that will help us be attracted or tracted?
1: Well, I mean, I think I hate to sound like the old children's address. The answer is Jesus. Uh, That's (laughs) what we're going to get to later. But for me, it has been about um, being very intentional about what I'm going to be doing during the day. Now, that doesn't mean that you pack your day full of stuff. So he makes the point that, um, for example, um, watching a television program can be a bad thing because actually what you need to be doing at that point in time is going to do something else or it could be that you've decided that between 7 and seven thirty in the evening you're going to watch your telly and therefore it's not a problem his key thing is working out what it is that you want to do um but, but i yeah i i think that a nourished spirituality a, a connection with jesus is actually at the heart of what will deep, deeply allow us to be properly attracted does that Love answer it. your question?
0: Yeah, that does, thank you. Yes, that does, it does. Um, yeah, very helpful. I think a challenge to all of us, certainly a challenge to me is around that, that thing. Um, great, let's move on. We're going, to, we're going to talk about John chapter four. Now, if you're mm. following along on light, in light and life, then that's on page 13 and it's entitled, Give Me a Drink, <laughs> which,
1: you know, kind of sums of up. I think that was a triumph of delivery there yeah, from you. Thank you, you to... very
0: much, thank you. <laughs> Give me a drink. So we're into chapter four now. I I'd love to start off just having a chat. Neil, you used a word when we were preparing. You talked about historicity. Mm-hmm. We are full of the big words this morning, or the, the today rather. um I I was struck by historicity. I think when I was reading. So I I you know I've, I've often heard this chapter preached on. I've I've preached on it. I love it as an encounter, but I think I tend to pick it out and treat it as a, a a a discrete incident but i was quite struck this morning that as i read through in advance that we it, it comes early on in john's gospel and i'm interested about why john has placed this encounter where he has are we saying that it's not chronologically following on from the the nicodemus encounter and so on in chapter 3 and therefore is there a reason that john's put it there any thoughts
1: yes and i th- i i think john does deliberately craft the order of events um, in John's gospel to make a point, a point that makes it sound too facile, to understand more deeply who Jesus is. And I think the classic example of that is the cleansing of the temple, which in every other gospel happens at the end of Jesus's life, but in John's gospel happens at the start of the ministry. Now, if a kind of very literal historicity matters a lot to you, then you can get around that. You simply say that the, the temple happened, the temple cleansing happened twice. I would then counter and say, isn't it odd that nobody ever mentions that it happened a second time um, when it does. Um, I would argue that John, that, that this idea, by the way, that everything has to happen in the exact order that, it, that you tell it, like who, who said that was the rule? You know, you're allowed to you're allowed to shift things in order to, to make a deeper, truer point. Um, Willie Barclay once said, it's not history, it's truth. And um, so I think, to answer your question, yes, there is a deliberate placing of this uh, story here, I would think, and I'd, I'd invite, Jen had said quite a lot about this when we were preparing. I think to set up the contrast between both Nicodemus well, I think Nicodemus is potentially the big contrast here. And, and John is making a point about the kind of people that, uh, that uh, Jesus speaks to. Um, historicity, by the way, can also mean another question, which was, did it ever happen at all? And, and uh, we'll maybe come back to that question later on as well, because I think that leads to a really interesting point. But yeah, Jen, you had said some things about the contrasts, I think.
2: But she's everything that Nicodemus is not, it's, or 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 other way round. Um, she's a woman. Um, she's a Samaritan, which means she's excluded from the religious life. Um, she's lived a life in her community that people have criticised her for and condemned her for and rejected her for. Whereas Nicodemus is powerful. He's in the in group. He's accepted. He's looked up to. He's respected. She's all the opposite of that, and she wouldn't. He he's been educated to a really high level. I mean, I suppose in this culture, it's unlikely she would have had any education at all. She wouldn't be able to read, and maybe, and so she's she's just everything that Nicodemus isn't. And, and when you read, it a, a lot, we go from chapter three straight into tra- chapter four. That is really stark. And Jesus is, but they both. But they both want to be with Jesus, and they both want to have a conversation with Jesus, and they both want to find out uh, who He's all about. They're coming from very different places as well, aren't they? Nicodemus is questioning and wondering and trying to fit it into his religious experience. She's just going to the well because she needs to get her water because that's what she's going to do to survive. And there, Jesus is. Mm. Yeah.
0: Can I can I push back? I, I'm not I'm not arguing with you on this, mm-hmm. but. I think it's interesting that we quite quickly jump to assumptions about her exclusion and her, um, how she feels about herself because actually Mm. the text doesn't say any of that directly, does it? It just tells us that she's at the well at what we we take as being an unusual time. And therefore we infer that she's not there with the other women in the town.
2: I mean, I I think, I know it is an inference, but I I imagine that being fairly accurate, Uh come back at me that. I mean, if you, if, you wouldn't go. You wouldn't go when it was. I mean, it's so hard to carry the water back and such an effort and a physical ta- task, exhausting to do that in the middle of the day when it's really hot. And why? Why would you go? Maybe, maybe she's just got a disorganized life and she's her life is chaotic and she's struggling with that. So it's she hasn't got up with the other women. Um, there could be lots of reasons. Yes, for her for being there at a different time, but there's something going on that she's there at a different time. I mean, and, and, and I'm just so it's a very, very offhand like comment, but you know, I, I tend not to go to my local shops at lunchtime because I know there'll be lots and lots of young people <laughs> uh, from the high school there. Not that I have a problem with the young people from the high school; it just means the shops are really busy. <laughs> so there, there, maybe she just liked to be alone. But why did she want to be alone? Did she want? Did she not want the people's company? Had. Their company become difficult for her did she not want to have conversations with them we, yeah we could it's all it's all wondering isn't it why yeah. she was there at that time
0: yeah
1: there's a there's a telling comment later on in the story where she says we're, we're, we're maybe jump yeah we're maybe jumping a wee bit but she says come and meet the man who told me everything i ever did now all he'd ever said to her at that point was you had five husbands um and a I. I just find it very interesting that she is able to move from I had five husbands to that equals everything I ever did. There's something very, in her mind, very defining about those um, about those relationships. I, I think as well, the, the, the thing you said, Jen, about contrast, um, I think that is very pointed. Isn't it interesting that when the disciples come back, they're amazed that Jesus is for all that we know about Samaritans, and we're going to, this is by the way, is the podcast where we're pointed to things we're going to come to in a minute. Um, but for all that we know about Samaritans and how outsiders they were, uh, the thing that the disciples are most shocked about is simply the fact that he's talking to a woman. So that's even more shocking than the Samaritan. And that, and that
2: is a fact that we can, we can go with, back to your question, yeah. Fiona, you know about, you know, because even the fact that she's a woman makes her completely different from Nicodemus, her experience of life and, her the privileges she's had or not not had that he's had and the fact that she's a Samaritan means that Jesus shouldn't be doing this. He shouldn't be having a conversation with her in public.
0: Yes,
1: yes. So we, there's something quite scandalous straight away. Yeah. Jen, uh, when you were off air, we tried to use the time productively per, when you were uh, resetting your, your laptop. <laughs> and uh, we tried to come up with a contemporary uh, individual who may have the same resonances as uh, the woman at the well here, we've got a contender uh, that, that's coming up um, because um, to get the kind of shock value of the contrast with Nicodemus, it, it's helpful to think, well, who would be the equivalent of this woman today? With um, So uh, I once preached a, a sermon a number of years ago in which I compared her to Pat Butcher from, from EastEnders. <laughs> and, and someone in the congregation was so offended that I had compared her to Pat Butcher, but isn't that kind of the point? that 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 it is someone who's shockingly uh different so
0: or, or someone that you you assume you know yeah. everything about, which is very interesting. we assume we know everything about that person and actually what the woman in the thing here says
2: is he mm. knew everything about me, yeah yeah and, and yeah. Jesus is breaking all the rules is he, is breaking mm. rules. And his disciples know that. Pat Butcher, by the way, wasn't Neil's contemporary. He
1: she thought he was one of these people who was really out of date. Okay, so we went through a number of people. So my my first suggestion was Jordan, uh, stroke Katie Price. We moved on from her. Uh, we then wondered about Jade Goody. Um, you weren't so keen on Jade Goody. Uh, well, know, because- I just
0: feel Jade Goody's story is so tragic. It's so utterly tragic that it takes it to a whole other place, was my thought on that. Then we, well, we went to, to Stacey Solomon. Stacey um, Solomon,
1: uh, but she's not our final person.
0: Well, no, I think she might be. Do you think? Because well, I think I just got distracted into the conversation. Well, no, I don't I, think my other suggestion was...
1: No, I think your other suggestion is better, which is Stacey Dooley. Uh, because... only because we've
0: been talking about her yesterday,
1: Jen. Uh, and the reason I would like Stacey Dooley is because when you first see Stacey Dooley, sorry, and when you hear her, you jump to all sorts of conclusions about who she is. But Stacey Dooley, MBE, um, has made some really sophisticated and hard-hitting documentaries which have really changed the way that people perceive things and as we're about to um actually I think Stacey Solomon would be allowed here as well because both of these women Stacey Solomon and Stacey Dooley um they're really sharp they're really really clever and we're about to see this woman here she's really really clever as well.
2: Although yeah I struggle with all of those comparisons because it wouldn't matter which which woman this was it, it ah, okay. any woman any woman at this well jesus shouldn't have been talking to her he shouldn't have asked her for water it didn't matter what she was like do you not know think well yes and, and, been... and are,
0: are you therefore saying that that culturally the ex- expectation would be that any woman would would not have the intelligence the intellect to to take him
2: on is that is that where you're going with that no just the the mere fact of being a woman a man shouldn't be speaking to her in this context.
1: Jane, but I would go further maybe and, and say that this is the woman in the town who has five husbands. Now, I'm jumping to the conclusion there's probably not too many women in this village who had five husbands. So I agree that any woman is already a massive issue. Um, I Just to an, an example I have of that is that in, when I was in India, there was massive segregation between men and women. And so women... And men sat on different sides of the of the church. Uh, there were different seats on a bus. The the women uh, sat at the back of a bus, and men uh, sat forward. And it was interesting. When I was in India, I began to inculcate these rules within myself. So I too became really offended if they were broken. And once uh, my mother uh, two a couple of years later, she and I went out together. And she was so. The normal rule was if a woman sat by herself on a bus seat which had space for two seats, no man would ever sit next to that woman. That was. A, that was regarded as highly propositional, provocative in the same way that talking to a woman is provocative in this story here. And I remember my outrage when my mother, who was sat by herself on a seat, another man came and sat next to her. I was furious. And I remember uh, shouting at her in uh, a very broad Scots accent so no one else could understand her To the from the front of the bus to the back of the bus to check she was okay. So I totally agree that that. Any woman is a provocation. But I think the fact that it's, quotes this woman, I think even heightens Mm -hmm. the sense of provocation.
2: And I I think your story from India is really, really good because that's the kind of outrage that we're talking about in the town and from the disciples. Although, interestingly, later on when it mentions the disciples, they don't actually challenge Jesus. They don't express their outrage. Yes. Yes. They just think it.
0: Uh So I'm I'm going to take the job today of picking up the loose threads that we say we're coming back <laughs> to. <Countless> loose threads? <laughs> I have a pen. I'm noting them. Let me come back to did the story happen, Neil?
1: Yes. So I think, so I'll go with Raymond Brown here. We're about to contradict Raymond Brown in a wee minute. Uh, but Raymond Brown, who's I think still the most thorough commentator of John that has that written in the last while, he is really, really struck by the fact that there are many things here which seem to be resonant. So... Firstly, the the well. Um, now, normally, this is often called a place called Sichar, but there is some manuscript evidence to say that this could be Shechem. And he points out that suddenly everything fits into place if you say it's Shechem. He says the insights to do with Jacob, the insights to do with the different places where they where they worship. He would say that all these show remarkable insight um, into and uh, and an a kind of almost. Um, It's not a forced resonance. It just seems to be lots of casual little details seem to suggest that this happened. Unfortunately, Raymond Brown then ruins all his good work by saying the biggest obstacle to believing that this is actually a historical encounter is no way could a Samaritan woman have had this sophisticated a theological conversation with Jesus. I was like, what? Uh, But that kind of also, that point serves to heighten the fact that this is a very sophisticated conversation that happens later on. so I think it happened. Uh, I think the resonances with Jacob are really interesting uh, because if you remember that that Jacob met his wife, uh, Rachel, uh, at a well, uh, wells were famous pickup points and there are lots of kind of uh, date scenes. And that's not very different from our own culture where people used to meet at bars until the internet came along. Um, um, and so people are meeting at a well, there are lots of biblical well scenes and then there is... Uh, Also, the background of the Samaritans coming in here, and perhaps the most pertinent passage is 2 Kings chapter 17, where uh, the Samaritans are those who were resettled in the land. If you remember that um, the northern kingdom was overtaken first, it was invaded by Assyria, and what the Assyrians did was they repopulated the land with uh, people from different cultures, and uh, there's a whole passage in 2nd uh, Kings 17 calling these people Samaritans because not only did they worship Yahweh, but they also worshipped um they, they also worshiped their own gods, and 2nd Kings keeps saying, and they do this to this day. Um so these are people who are very suspect because they worship their own gods, um, they've been resettled. And this this also a Samaritan women were believed to be perpetually unclean. Uh, and ritually unclean as well. There was an old a Jewish text that appears about 30 years after this, but probably reflects the attitudes of Jewish men at that time, which said that all Samaritan women were unclean from the cradle, is what, what the phrase is used. So you then go to this story, if I can just jump on and look at the dialogue, if that's okay, um, that, that we think this woman knows this is a Messiah from step one. We kind of read it with that, but it's not. So this woman. Who we perceive to be someone who um, has is has had a lot of relationships with men is from a, a a sect that is perceived to be um, idolatrist. Jesus sees him sees her and says, "Give me a drink." Now, what's she thinking at this point? Is she thinking he's wanting a drink, or is he wanting something else? Uh, the the dialogue then goes on and she tries to flush him out into the open. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? So she's trying to get him to be, oh, why are you asking for a drink uh, kind of thing? And and then look at this line. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's talking to you. In other words, i are like kind of saying, oh, well, if you knew who I really was and who it was to talk to me, then you'd ask me for a drink. This is full of loaded conversation about this this water and then she kind of plays with him a little bit and she says sir you've got no bucket and the well is very deep where are you going to get this drink from now are we talking about drink here or is this coded language to talk about some kind of a potential flirtation and then he says everyone who drinks of the water which i give them will never be thirsty you know this is really now if you think i'm overly loading this my friend Leslie, who once did this with a group of students in Mozambique, said that for people from Mozambique, this was like unbelievable that this conversation was happening. It's utterly loaded. But here's the point. Oh, and then later on, Jesus says, uh, "Go and go and um, uh, go and find your uh, husband. Go and fetch your husband," which is a classic line. I mean, the, the old line, you know, "What does your boyfriend do?" was was about trying to work out whether you did have a boyfriend or not. Um, so. And then it turns because um, he he says yes you're right when you say you've got no husband because she says to him I don't have a husband she doesn't say to him I've got a partner she says oh I've got no husband so she's saying to him you know that I I am potentially available here and then he says you've got no husband the man you're with now is not your husband and you have you've had five husbands eh, prior to this and I think this is this is deeply human story. He's deliberately in the mode of potential flirtation because for this woman, but I would say for us all, there is a deep craving for intimacy. Mm -hmm. I'd even use the word Mm -hmm. sexuality that within all of us. And and Jesus is bringing this out into the open in this encounter and then saying that actually the deepest need that we have is for an encounter with God and we can engage and we can use the language of intimacy to talk about our relationship and our need, because in a sense our connection with God is so utterly deep that sometimes this sort of language is the only language that you can use to describe it.
0: Yeah. I I think as you were speaking there, Neil, I I was reflecting on a couple of things. One is around the historicity question there. There is... It, this feels very authentic dialogue.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you
0: yeah. know, <laughs> so if John was making this up to, you know, to make a point, he, he's done it very well that's know? one of the
1: points that raymond brown makes now he struggles with the nicodemus and uh, story because he says that some of the dialogue you're like where does that come from and and we we talked about that when we looked at john chapter three whereas he says in john chapter four he's like wow this is seamless. yeah this is
2: this is aha uh-huh. it feels verbatim doesn't it although it does end strangely i think you know so jesus says i the one speaking to you i'm he I, I would love to have heard what the woman's response to that is, because uh-huh. that's that's a huge wow moment. You know, she he, he's taken her to this point that he says, "I'm the Messiah." Now, he hasn't said that to anybody else so far in the way John's put this together. But then his disciples, another interruption. Yes, <laughs> the disciples return, and now we do know later on that she's she's off to tell everybody. So something's happened inside her. But I, I, the conversation does end quite abruptly.
1: Do you think that adds to the authenticity?
0: But yeah, and do you not think John's also learning from how Jesus tells stories? Jesus mm. leaves parables hanging all the time, doesn't he? Yeah. So the other thing I was just going to say about it as well was was about um, how dialogue reveals things. I was thinking about outspoken. I was thinking about the fact that, you know, when we first started this podcast, we were talking quite a lot about when you speak out the words of scripture. I, and I, I remember watching Bruce Kuhn do this chapter. I don't know if you're familiar with Bruce Kuhn. He's basically learnt the whole of John's gospel and performs it um and i just remember this chapter being phenomenal when he did it because you suddenly as as he read out this dialogue or, or spoke out this dialogue you 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 kind of got the nuances and the and the subtext and the the little coded messages that were in there and the way she's trying to divert the conversation the, the fact that they talk about worship when for the samaritans worship is a big that's the big sticking point isn't it um really just really it's so there is something about the power of, of of scripture not just being read on the page but being
2: spoken out loud in order to bring meaning to it i know i want to go i just when we've been chatting i hadn't thought about this before but the fact of her being a woman and her having this level of conversation about worship with jesus reminds me of mary and martha um mm. you know and because we, we tell the story of mary and martha and martha's in the kitchen and mary's at the feet of jesus listening and we often tell that in a way that oh, well, Martha was really busy and she liked to do stuff, but Mary was just quiet and she wanted to listen to Jesus. But that's a radical cultural story as well, yeah, because yeah. the woman yeah. shouldn't... Mary shouldn't have been sitting at the feet of the the male rabbi being taught. She should have been in the kitchen. and Jesus yeah, yeah. says rabbis you know, didn't she, have female students. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and by allowing her to listen, it means... Can we take it this far? He's also meaning you will go on and teach, Mary... If you're being taught by me, you're going to go and teach. So there's so much in that story. And I hadn't never compared that with this story as well, that here's Jesus with another woman having this level of theological teaching interaction. And in a a, a church (laughs) where there'll be lots of disagreements about female roles, um, these two stories should be listened to carefully.
1: Yeah, I think this is the longest conversation that Jesus has with anyone anywhere in the Gospels. And also, let's just assume for the moment that this is historical. So we've got these long speeches where Jesus says, "The hour is coming, we will worship in spirit and truth. God is spirit." Now, who is the person that's a witness to that? It had to have been the woman. She yeah. had to have remembered this and then and then passed this on. I told it back. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Really interesting. And that, and and I think there is something, Neil, and you, you know, you were you were really getting to the heart of that 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 mingling of our deepest, yeah, most personal, most identity based need. Yeah. With our spiritual yeah. need that that so often we compartmentalize those things actually really unhelpfully, I think, within
2: and, and yeah. Within yeah and you said something great, Fiona, before we started recording when I was struggling with cables and headphones. About we read we so often read this just from the pers the sp- per, not the from Jesus perspective, but from a particular perspective of the woman as well. Mm-hmm. And again, I've just been thinking that you know we we don't know what was going on in these relationships that she had and and I mean to my shame, I've sometimes thought of her as if it's her responsibility that she's gone from man to man and there's been all these men in her life, but what were they doing to her, and what was the level of brokenness that she and every time there was another relationship, what did she hope for and long for? and and the way she'd been treated so no no wonder when she finds herself at this well with this man who's saying these things that she's saying she's wanting to know is he the one and from a purely human perspective is he the one now she he's gonna he's gonna say i am the one <laughs> but it's it's not gonna be a, i'm the man you've been looking for i'm i'm life itself because that's so evident in this conversation as well isn't it I yeah, yeah life like i'm offering you life not just life Further on, when you die, life now—real life—that we're all craving for. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely agree with that, but but I also think there's there can also be a danger with this story that we we put her into the victim category, and say, "Okay, well, look at her with her poor life." You, you know, we, we we do flip the narrative and say she has been an, a, a victim of abuse, so therefore she's not like me, she's not like people around me necessarily. But I don't think that's true either, because we 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 can't we can't say either way.
1: I wonder about and, and back to that image of going to the fruit machine and pulling it and saying maybe this time the, I'll hit the jackpot. I, I wonder about how she went into each of these marriages. You know, marriage number four, she's thinking, All right, this is the one that's going to work. And then at what point did she say, it's clearly me? I'm the pro. I'm the common denominator in these five relationships. And then she meets Jesus, and she's thinking, is he going to be the one? And the answer is yes, he will be. And and people say. Well not in a not in a sexual sense, as if somehow that category of ourselves has to be parcelled off but it it's saying almost we go through that into- i mean I love the fact there's a conversation about worship here that that worship is true intimacy, and I come right back to the prologue again where it's Jesus is with God it's such a profound withness with the idea mm. of with of being with somebody in a really deep intimate connected way, I think is' it's what's being pointed at here, worshiping in spirit, spirit and truth, this idea of being lost in God. There's a beautiful image for worship here. Yeah. And it's maybe, you know, sometimes one of my friends castigates a contemporary worship songs as cosmic boyfriend music. I think we've uh-huh. we've alluded to that before. But actually maybe that's not such a bad description. I mean I remember once somebody complained about the number of um mission praise choruses that start with the word I and saying that the Bible is much more corporate. So I went through and counted the number of uh, choruses in, in Mission Praise that began the word I. That wasn't terribly hard because they're all grouped together. Um, and then uh, I went through the Psalms and counted the, the number of uh, mm. Psalms that kind of began with the word I, and it was exactly the same proportion. <laughs> And I thought, oh, well, that maybe Mission praise isn't so far off. Um, yeah,
0: another of Neil's att- attractional activities there.
1: Yes. I'm <laughs> <laughs> going to
0: count to the numbers of Mission Praises. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Now, can I bring us to uh-huh. I Am He? Oh, yes. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's astonishing, isn't it? That, Like yeah. you said it, Jen, this is the first mm-hmm. time he's revealed yeah. who he is yeah. fully as the Messiah.
1: It's not just the Messiah, it's God. no. we sometimes aim... Yes, no, he does say, I am the Christ. And, and also, so the the phrase that's used is a real, it's really obvious in the Greek, it's ego I which I am. And that's frequently alludes right back to the Exodus story where God says, I am who I am. Um, he, but yes, he's saying Messiah, and he's also saying, I'm God, in the, very pregnant. We should point out, by the way, that for Jews, the Messiah wasn't going to be necessarily God. Uh, the, the, the Messiah was simply going to be a king who followed on from from David. Um, but Jesus is bringing the two together and the th- kind of third piece will probably be Daniel's son of man um, which which also comes, I don't know, you get son of man in John's gospel, I can't remember um, but but those merging of the identities Jesus is saying basically every hope you've ever had is met in me
2: <laughs> and it, it seems like it's a, a real moment for Jesus as well because uh, he goes on, so the disciples are there and they're like have some food and he doesn't take the food and he goes into this he explains what the food is and all this about the harvest and it's ready to be reaped and some people will sow and some people will be reaped and it's if he knows this is a moment and yeah. they're like oh is somebody giving him food i find that quite amusing like he's not he's not hungry anymore he's he's like he's awful off, he's often one talking about harvests and the yeah. So it's I, and they're missing Je- the point of what the harvest is that, that's right As if jesus yeah. knows that this moment with this woman when he's just said i am he and her response is is a key point or maybe or maybe john knows that and that's why he's put this in but yeah. i had never i'd never thought about that before that for jesus this this is a a moment yeah and, it, and it,
0: because it's not a particularly public moment no we know it because it's reported,
2: and and as you said, Neil, that that's most likely come from from the woman. But and there's a wee phrase at the start when he says he had to go through Samaria, and he didn't really have to go through Samaria, did he? Physically, he could have gone round the long way. Jesus chose to go that way. Who who did he? You know, well, he's God, so he knew who was going to be there and what she was doing. And
0: yeah, and I, I mean, I, I guess he knew that she she was a prototype evangelist, really, wasn't
1: she? I have used this passage on several occasions to talk to people who were living with their partners, which, let's face it, is a very common part of life nowadays who aren't married. And to to say to them, you know, you, you don't have to wait until you get married to have an authentic Christian ministry, even. And, you know, I almost feel bad saying that. I think well, that's a terrible thing to suggest. Surely I have to say that. But Jesus doesn't say to any point to this woman in this parable, he doesn't even say that you're sinning by living with this man. Now, he might have done in those two days that are there. We don't know that. But John doesn't think it's important enough to tell us that at that point. Um, And I have, this has been really important, this passage for me, and a number of people I've spoken to, actually, coincidentally, all of them, probably women, who are living with their partners and kind of thinking, I don't have, Jesus has no use for me until I get that part sorted out. And and yet, look, here's this woman uh, who goes off and tells her whole village and think, I think something she's called the first evangelist, isn't she?
2: I think the important thing is that as soon as we encounter Jesus, know that life in us, then we can share that. And, mm. and, and, and it's real and it's, that's it. It doesn't mean that as we go on in our life with Jesus, there's things we don't have to sort out. But there's a it's a really significant difference between being sorted out and then going and doing these things because that's not what's happening here. But we mustn't diminish the fact that as a follower of Jesus, there will be things we need to we need to change in in our life and how we're living. I and mean, there could be multiple things. So it doesn't mean those things didn't change for her. But it was right right from that moment she was with yeah. Jesus.
0: It's the old belong, believe, behave, isn't it? That actually we so often put that the other way around and say that you have to behave in order to then believe
2: and then you'll belong. (laughs) I once heard uh, Willie Black, uh, who uh, at the time, was a church school at Munster, but he was working in the Western Isles. And um, he he was friends with someone, he'd become good friends with someone who was an alcoholic. And everybody in the town knew that this person was an alcoholic. And it was coming towards... um, Communion weekend and Willie Black was walking with this man on the beach and he knew that he was about to say, I want to follow Jesus. And he found himself praying to God, Oh God, please, please don't let um, him become a Christian now. Because if he does, I'll need to take him to communion at the weekend. And everybody will be saying, But he's not ready to have communion mm. because we all know he's lived a sinful life. Um mm-hmm. that, that that verse is used elsewhere in the Bible, isn't it? And at that moment the guy was down on his knees praying and saying, Wow i'm for jesus and wow. willie black would say but that's what jesus is about jesus wanted him to be in that communion service that weekend and he hadn't had time to sort out anything in his life uh-huh. mm. but uh-huh. he was he was now for jesus
0: gosh jen that makes me fill up
2: that's and like, you we have to hear willie black telling you because it it's so I'm beautiful it, exactly. in his accent yeah, and yeah tone yeah. Yeah,
0: beautiful, beautiful. Uh, anything else we want to we want to say around the woman, or can we move on to to talk about what happens next?
1: It's poor, neglected story. I yeah, of
0: John I mean, mm-hmm. it's an extraordinary story. What happens next? But we we kind of ignore it, don't we? Yeah.
2: So, although, we, can I just comment yes. in the last few words of mm-hmm. the story of the woman at Please the do. well because that's significant, is not it that mm-hmm. all the people in the village say he really is the saviour of the world. And that mm. goes back to the prologue, isn't it? That this mm. is not yes. just, God is not just for this small, a small cultural group in one place in time. This 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 Jesus is for everyone, everywhere, always. Yeah, mm. it's yeah. It's a good link
0: into the that's next a, bit. That's
1: a good link into the next <laughs> bit, yeah, exactly. Fantastic, fantastic. I, so, And the next person is kind of an outsider as well. Uh, because he's a royal official, which means probably that he worked for the hated Herod, uh, who we've talked about before, was was an absolute monster, a tyrant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He killed millions. Mm-hmm. Um, and this man is one of his servants, and he has a son, and Jesus, Jesus is prepared to heal him. It's it's very similar to the story of the centurion's servant in some ways. the the dynamic, it happens at a distance, and uh, I I just love firstly that um he believes the word that Jesus spoke to him and and Jen had pointed out earlier that links with the the prologue the word logos yeah. that gets used there is is the mm. word I,
2: I've the word. loved that we said that in the first podcast about John that we would meet those links yeah because I, w- I would never have done that before and I just keep seeing them all it's the be- time it's become
0: yeah. a really helpful framework hasn't it yeah. for yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a filter for reading
2: and it's, it's, a, it's a full of it's full of interruptions this story as well isn't it the same as the as we commented in the woman at the well, I mean, if you were this father and you go to Jesus and you beg him to come and heal your son, and and we know that Jesus could have been in uh, in Capernaum, is that where he's going? Yes. Yeah, Capernaum. he could have been in Capernaum earlier, but he's been delayed uh, in Samaria. So there's that delayed interruption. But then this, he's pleading with Jesus, and Jesus says unless you people see signs and wonders you'll never believe i mean how as a father as a father be like what are you talking about jesus why are you talking about signs and wonders when my son is dying Uh uh, Mm uh-huh and he's pleading please come and then jesus says go you need to you go and he'll be alive jesus never goes near the boy it's his word that does it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah beautiful beautiful
0: and, and beautiful, and also p- from what you said there, Jen. Again, I'm I'm not wanted to woman spleen what yeah. you just said. <laughs> persons, personsplain. persons, personsplain. But you know, it's that it's again for me, it's that it's the, the 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 contrast of the immediate need of the man, the intimate immediate need of his family to be healed, and and the the bigger cosmic picture of yeah. what what Jesus is doing. You need signs and wonders, yeah. and actually, every time I, every time I I speak, life comes. <laughs> yeah and that that
2: for me goes back to everything that john's about isn't it and we as people and me i mean speaking for myself you know i'm so focused or mainly all the time on the he on the here and now like i've got the, and we'll come on to this in jen's gems, gems don't want to, don't want to uh, preempt it but i've got to do this i've got to do that and then there's a conversation or a need and, and i think that's an interruption but it's actually maybe from yes. a cosmic perspective the thing that yes. really matters
0: yes Oh, that's helpful i think also i mean it's worth saying again we're, we, we find ourselves in in the middle of global conflict yep. and global um distress I, I, and i think there's comfort for me in that too yeah. that, mm. that it, it is important to focus on the on the, the the detail and the the immediate and the stories the individual people's stories but also to to, to step step back and know that god is sovereign over
2: over the whole yeah and Jesus knows what's going on in this story, doesn't it? We we talked about uh-huh. he had to go through, had to go through Samaria. He needed to be in that place, and he mm-hmm. needed. He was late for Capernaum, but he wasn't really late for Capernaum. And and, and as you're saying, if you now, if we look at global situations, like where are you, God? And um, and actually, Stacey Dooley is that her name? We talked mm-hmm. about her a minute ago. Her most recent <laughs> a, a documentary is spending time um, with some Anglican nuns. Very interesting, and. Uh, at one point she says to them, you look at the world and it, and you want to talk to God about it and be part of him helping or something like that, she says. Uh-huh. I look at the world and think, can there possibly be anything more than us?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: S- but what we're talking about is knowing that cosmic perspective helps us understand or yeah. cope with uh, yeah. the mess that we find ourselves
1: in.
0: Yeah, Folks, I think we'll round it off there unless anybody has anything dramatic they want to add
1: yes it's the deliberate interruptions and I, I, it makes me think about just again encounter and and actually what i was I, I hate to say this i was just i just had to catch we're, we've got slight because of the technical stuff i was having to uh, just rearrange some stuff for seeing people later um and uh, yeah uh, it it was making me think about interruptions and actually the most important thing is just these encounters with with people do you not think, sorry, I, I know this is goes off in a whole other thing, do you not think the most profound conversations we have with people often evangelistically are not are the ones that just happen by accident?
0: Oh yes, hmm. I was actually speaking at a Christian union the other night uh-huh. um, I always say yes as a woman um, <laughs> <laughs> I always make time for the interruption of that, uh, but I was speaking about Act 17 and I, that, I was saying that very thing about Paul going to Athens that evangelism often happens not when we plan it yeah, but when we find ourselves sort of out of out of our plans yeah,
1: yeah. happens all
0: the time doesn't it yeah, yeah. and and totally. con- significant conversations isn't it
1: yes and, and and what jesus does make sure happens here is that it's a significant conversation uh, yeah. that's the thing you do you you create the space for that and then let the magic happen
0: oh i like that that's gonna be my takeaway is to, it's not just about interruption, but actually to to go after significant conversations. So it's the the—the it's the, the subtext thing, isn't yeah. it? That when she says, oh, I can see that you're a prophet. Yeah. You know, th- what's the subtext? Actually, she's trying to, maybe she's trying to move the conversation on or, you know, there's yeah. a bit of wit about that. And yeah, I think I, I really like subtext. I like writing subtext. I, I like it when I see it in drama. Yeah. Maybe I need to go after it a bit more in conversations with people around me. <laughs> Read the subtext. Jen
2: what's your takeaway there's lots and lots of things I think though that Jesus doesn't I don't think no, no I know that Jesus doesn't see this woman as some kind of um, project or a person mm. he has to fix or a job to do or he, he genuinely cares about her and the challenge for me is that in all my interactions with people that would be what mattered the person not because i've asked you to do something or i want something to happen in your life but because i want to show i want to share the life of jesus that that's what jesus is doing this life that he brings that he is i think that's my takeaway which we didn't actually talk about but i think that's what's come through as we've had this conversation brilliant
0: Well, thank you very much to both of you. Uh, Jen, we know that you have one because you told us and we've been listening. What's your gem?
2: My gem is about interruptions and... What? Tell us what it's
1: about. Sorry, I couldn't resist the temptation.
2: (laughs) I I really want to do the interrupting Uh, sheep joke. We'll have that then. Um, Knock, knock. Who's there? Who's there? The interrupting sheep no you've taken my line that's my line okay moving on from the interrupting shape joke or any form of animal it could be um when we're we're planning things so i've got messy church coming up on saturday and if mdl runs messy church the week before messy church feels like a a sort of quagmire of things that have to happen to make a a place where people will speak to each other and get to know Godbear, and there's so much to do and I know when I get there on Saturday and start to set up, there'll be lots of people who are wanting to talk to me and they'll want to have conversations. And that's just one example of where I can, I just want to get on with the job and get it done. But actually, are those interruptions the things that really matter? So how do we balance getting things done, but also seeing the interruptions as things that really matter and having the meaningful conversation and caring for people? And I think that can only happen when we we really pray about it and ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we wouldn't be jolted and annoyed because we're being interrupted. And for those of us who are involved in youth and children's ministry, family ministry, I just want to encourage us to keep doing that more and more. And and last night we had our young people's Bible study group as well. And so often in that, you know, we have, we have things that are planned. It's important to plan things, but we're reading a particular bit of the Bible. We're talking about it and then something will come up and it takes you in a conversation you didn't expect. And that's what was happening with Jesus and this woman The well. And I just want to, I want to be more ready to be that person who's interrupted and deals with it well. So to encourage us all to see interruptions as often from God and to be aware of that and not just want to push them out of the way.
0: Thank you very much. We were both working very hard there not to... <laughs> we were
1: both on the, I can in. see Fiona's face was just like, <laughs> no, don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway our time great. is
0: up poor old amy's gonna have a lot to edit here so yeah. thank you very much for joining us again now next time we're going on a road trip yeah. and we're going to be meeting in person so goodness only knows what that's going to be like yeah we're we're going to take a trip to Aberfeldy and we're going to record uh Neil I think in your church building yeah. one of your church building one of your many church buildings
1: um so I'm, I'm, next time I'm quite excited yeah. about this because although you and I Fiona have I've seen each other a couple of times for kind of uh, worky things broadcast like, opportunities yes i was trying to, <laughs> i was doing a broadcast thing the day to be always oh, at a meeting yesterday um uh, but jen you and i have not seen each other for two years
0: <gasps> really
2: is that right yeah that's gosh
1: last so time we saw we each other it? was in the alpha building in, in the alpha office in in glasgow wow everything's happened food. since what's
0: that Jen's grown by a (laughs) foot well so next time we will see each other in person and uh, yeah we'll be talking about John 5 that's an encounter that takes place at the edge of a pool that's the place that I always like hanging out Um, anyway join us then and if you're enjoying the journey through John then don't forget that you can like you can rate you can share and you can review so that other people can get involved in the outspoken conversation thank you very much for joining us and we will speak to you next time